Good morning. Uh, welcome to our Tuesday morning devotion here on uh, Christ's Hold Fast page. And uh, for anybody else out there who might catch this, welcome today to uh, our third installment in the uh, I Am Statements of Jesus. We're, we're actually covering what would be considered uh, the third and fourth I Am Statements of Jesus because uh, they're, they're so close together in John chapter uh, 10, where Jesus says he's the, the door or the gate for the sheep to enter into the sheepfold, but then he's also uh, the shepherd, the good shepherd, and we're going to talk about both of those images. More emphasis on the shepherd today uh, because the he spends a lot more time talking about that particular role in this passage. So uh, good morning to you all. I see Bonnie and Whitney and Glenna are here. I, I know there's others I just can't see yet. Jacob, welcome. Let's go ahead and read the passage from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 18 reads like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. End of reading. Well, I don't know about you, uh, but I have had the dreadful experience of having to work or serve under a really uh, incompetent and poor leader at, uh, at prior work uh, experiences. I can think of numerous examples in my own life the algebra substitute teacher that came into class my sophomore year and declared at the beginning of class, listen up, I don't care if you learn anything today, I don't care if you talk to your friends or play with games or whatever it is you do, I'm here to get paid, so just try to keep it quiet. <laughs> at the time, I thought he was the most rad teacher ever, uh, but I've since learned that's probably not the best way to teach an algebra class. Um, <clears throat> All that being said, I've also had my fair share of jobs where I worked under poor leaders. And, you know, I, I, I should make a distinction here. I should distinguish some things for you. When I, when I say bad leader, I don't mean those who, who aren't just uh, unqualified uh, or just aren't very good at their job. I actually, what I mean is they're the kind of leaders that love their power, uh, that take advantage of their employees, that will do anything to sort of get ahead, they're cutthroat. Uh, for some, you know, there's, there's many ways that this kind of 
shows itself in life. I mean, for some, a bad leader could be a bad dad, a bad father. For others, a bad boss. Um, before I became a pastor, I had one job with a really, really difficult boss, and he would rock, walk around like a tyrant half the time, yelling and cussing and throwing stuff and breaking things that we had just built. And everything, everything, everything was about the bottom line. And no matter how hard the crew worked, it just never seemed to be enough. And it was just exhausting to think about having to go into work there every day. So uh, what am I getting to? Well, unfortunately, all throughout history, God's people have not been immune from being uh, led by bad leaders and bad pastors either. Um, but when it happens, of course, it is far more destructive. I mean, it's one thing to be driven away from a job. It's another thing to be driven away from God's church. And that's exactly what happened throughout the period before Jesus is coming. The children of Israel, God's sheep, especially referred to by that imagery uh, in Ezekiel, but not just there. Uh, are portrayed as being ruled by corrupt and cruel politicians and religious leaders. And God refers to them actually as bad shepherds. Instead of one confronting the other, they're all in cahoots together. And as a result, the sheep have nowhere to turn. They're driven away and spiritually slaughtered. At least that's the picture given for us. And then here comes Jesus talking about and declaring that he is the good shepherd. So, so what qualifies him to be such a good shepherd, such a good leader to his sheep? Well, uh, obviously, the first thing that we won't spend much time going over is the fact that in the very declaration himself, he is telling us he is divine. He is deity. I am the good shepherd. It doesn't seem like uh, that big a deal when you first read it, but of course, when you read it in the broader context of Scripture, it's very clear that he's making this statement about himself. And so, so as the divine one, he is, he is utterly qualified and competent to be the leader of his people. But there's, there's deeper reasons he gives here too. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm God, and so you better follow me. But, but he portrays himself in this passage as not just this grand deity, but a, a deity who intimately cares for his people and for his sheep. He does. I mean, Jesus loves you. God loves you. His disposition towards you is, is actually love. Listen to verse 14 and 15 again. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I mean, it can't get more loving and intimate than that. Uh, the, the word for know there is the same word used throughout the Old Testament to describe the marital union. It is the word used to, de, uh, to describe when a couple would actually consummate uh, their marriage, they would be. It would be said to that they knew each other. Jesus compares the closeness he has to his sheep to the closeness he has to his father, the very father who he had known for all eternity without end. There is nothing hidden in his sight. He knows you. He knows you. Now, I suppose, depending on where you're at this morning, subjectively speaking, that fact can be tremendously comforting or maybe tremendously disconcerting. I mean, knowing that God literally sees everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, can, I think, make you want to feel like you need to run and hide 
<laughs> that's what this, what happens in the very first story of Adam and Eve after their first rebellion against God. Their first instinct is to hide from him and frankly from each other. And humanity has been doing it ever since. But of course, there is no hiding from him. He sees all our flaws. He sees our internet history. He sees our temper tantrums. He sees our judgmental attitudes and he's heard our language. And yet this fact can be comforting when we recognize that in spite of all of that, that he knows it all, our good shepherd declares he loves us still. John 3.16, earlier in this gospel, you know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What motivated him? What motivated Jesus? That God loved the world. Get the order right. Martin Luther said, sinners are not loved because they are attractive. They are attractive because they are loved. So, so, so important. And how do we know that he loves us? How do we know that God loves us? What's the evidence? Well, Jesus says, verse 15, because he lays down his life for the sheep. Again, in case you didn't hear him, verse 17, I lay down my life for the sheep. And in case you still are a little deaf here, verse 18, I lay my, my life down for the sheep. I don't know why we do it, but we tend to look to temporal blessings in this life to prove that God loves us, that he cares. So we get a raise and we go, okay, God must be showing his love for me. My family's doing well and healthy. Therefore, God's showing me that he loves me. I get demoted. God must be angry at me. What did I do? My family's doing poorly. God must be angry at me. But my friends, as natural as it is to judge how God feels about you by what's going on around you, that is not, that is not biblical Christianity. That is karma. That is from the East, my friends. Biblical Christianity is grace. Biblical Christianity says you want to be sure God loves you. Look extra nose outside of you to the cross of Jesus Christ. You want to be sure God's on your side. Look extra nose to the cross. Romans 5.8 says God shows his love for us. How? And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we do not look to our temporal circumstances and whether we're feeling good or doing good to determine whether we're loved by God. We know we're loved by God. It's a fact, and it was sealed for us 2,000 years ago at the cross. It's been shown to us through the sacraments and the preached word, through our baptisms and through the Lord's Supper. That's what the evidence is, that God actually loves us and is indeed a good shepherd. He's also a good shepherd because he's brought us into his flock. He's brought us into his flock. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, of course, what Jesus is talking about here is the generous offer uh, to all, not just Jews, but Gentiles, to enter his fold, that is, to become part of a new family known as his church. I know Christians are often accused of, you know, being narrow-minded and, you know, by saying that Jesus is the only way in all, that he is, as this passage says, the door, you know, there's only the only door. 
But the fact is, Jesus is here extending his gifts to all, no matter who you are, what background you come from, poor, rich, white, black, yellow, brown, whatever. Jesus calls sheep from everywhere, and by doing so, creates a new family on earth. Ephesians 2 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both, both Jews and Gentiles, to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. Yes, Jesus says here as the good shepherd, he's not merely interested in those who might already be a part of his fold, but he is continually and everlastingly stretching out and going beyond the fold to bring more and more and more in. He is the good shepherd that goes to the ends of the earth, leaving the 99 sheep in pursuit of just one more so that he might bring all in. And because he's the good shepherd, it means he has all authority over our lives. Verse 17 says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Because Jesus' life is not taken from him, but rather he lays it down and takes it up again of his own accord. Jesus is the Lord of all the sheep. And since he has all authority, that means we live our lives and trust to him that no matter what we're going through, no matter what hills and valleys we will face on our path as we follow him, he truly is guiding us. Because he is the author and perfecter of our faith, he will never leave us nor forsake us, and he will complete the work that he has begun in us so that ultimately we are led to the green pastures of heaven. So I don't know where you're at this morning and what you're feeling today. Uh, maybe you feel like you've been running away from the good shepherd. I know on any given day I feel and sense and know that I find myself running in the, the wrong direction. But I just want to remind you here today through this passage again that no matter who you are or what you've done, the Good Shepherd has still, it's a fact, laid down his life for you. And I mean you. Because the Good Shepherd loves you. The Good Shepherd will guide you. And this Good Shepherd calls out to all, follow me and live. It's for you. I'm here for you. All right, gang, that is it for today's devotion. I hope you have a, a wonderful Tuesday. It's a bit rainy and cloudy and gloomy out here, but, you know, at least it's not snowing. I'll, I'll take that. Um, anyway, good to be with you. I'll see you next Tuesday. Have a blessed week.